the Oyster Stew Podcast. I'm Bob Mooney, General Counsel for Oyster Consulting. Platform technology, regulatory pressure, mergers and acquisitions are all driving financial service firms to reevaluate their business models. In today's podcast, Pete Bowman, Managing Director of Oyster's Strategic Planning and Execution Team, and Dave Williams, Head of Business Development, share their insights on how some firms are positioning themselves for the future. Let's get started. Pete, can you talk about what you're seeing as firms review their business models? The way I look at it is, um, you know, you and I have been in the business for over 38 years. And to this point, I have never seen the disruption in the industry around the platform and the models of clearing as I see it today. You know, I spent time at SIFMON Ops Tech Conference, and they always do a great job for the clients talking about the changes from a regulatory perspective or what's coming down the road. But this year it was different. In my mind, it was different from the standpoint about due to the proliferation of the of the technology platforms, there's just this huge push on the platforms and they're changing. Um, you know, we see uh, new clearing firms coming about. We're seeing new partnerships coming about. We're seeing acquisition strategies happening with with the uh, with the clearing and service bureau providers, and their their products are causing this sort of disruption. At the same time, the regulators are changing. At the same time, clients are becoming W two ten ninety nine. You know, independent versus the W two. You're finding the RIA side of it where firms are giving up their BD statuses all the way. And I think it's making some of the larger uh, firms that could be introducing firms on a clearing firm or have the potential of becoming self-clearing, they're now actually starting to think about is the, do we de-risk the equation? Do we take a mode of, you know, providing, looking for another custodian and giving up the BD. So I think it's all of the above, David. I, I really do. So Pete, let's uh, let's talk about the broker-dealer world. You and I have been around, as you mentioned earlier, for multiple decades. And if we go back <laughs> yeah. 30 or 40 years, there was probably 6,000 broker-dealers and there was probably over 100 clearing firms. If you look all the way back into the 1980s and 1990s. Today, there's a couple thousand broker-dealers, a little bit north of two to be exact, 2,000. There's probably five or six clearing firms left. And what's the reason reason for that? Well, M&A activity certainly could be a, a big reason for that. But I think a lot of it is it's very, very difficult for small to mid-sized broker-dealers to compete in the marketplace today. To grow their business by adding financial advisors is incredibly challenging unless you have lots of capital behind you because you're competing with firms with lots of capital. The regulatory pressures uh, are only getting more and more challenging every single year, and you could expect that they will continue to do that with uh, with adding a lot more expense to to these small broker dealers who just don't have the scale to handle uh, all of the changes that are required in, in the business today. And then you think about the alternatives that are out there to small to mid-sized broker dealers. Um, they can affiliate with a larger firm. That's a choice. They can go straight RIA if their advisory business is the majority of their business. If it's not, 
they can go hybrid and put their Series 7 licenses with another firm and their RIA business with an RIA custodian. So there's there's lots of choice out there today from a business model perspective for these firms. Is that kind of what you're seeing too? Yeah, Dave. And, you know, I, that's why I've always enjoyed working with you so much from the standpoint of you come at it from the perspective of the, the business model. But then when you look at the undercurrents, it's actually the cost of the technology, the cost of the skill of the expertise to manage that technology. You talk about the vast array of technology solutions. And so when you bit, when you break it back down into the individuals and, you know, running the platforms, they have to be very, very cautious and careful of their capital. They got to understand what business they're in. When you're in this business today and you have any semblance of a platform, you're basically a fintech provider. And a lot of firms just don't see them in that. So I think that also weighs into to your point about looking at the business model of what business you're in. So again, I, I, I look, I go back and, and, and I look at how the, the technology is driving the platform providers, whether that's a clearing firm or a service bureau firm or a firm that you know, offers an outsourced model to, to these BDs. They have that capital, as you say, to build those you know, architectures and you need scale. You need scale to ensure that it's going to uh, be economically appropriate for you know, certain clients. Um, at the end of the day, when you start looking back down at the actual client, the end user, if, if this could be to your point, the smaller BD, uh, you know, they have questions they need to answer. They 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 have to they have to consider um, the cost and the risk of doing this business. And I think the regulators and the technology and the and the alternatives out there is just it's just spinning up this. Uh, it's spinning up disruption that I haven't seen in our industry in my lifetime, actually. And it's 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 very interesting to see where this is going to come out. And, and I think you would agree, Dave, a lot of, of the end user client. And when I talk about that, I'm not talking about the retail investor. I'm talking about the advisors themselves and the firms that that have those advisors. Um, it's it, it's a tough decision and they they're 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 looking for answers. I don't know if, if I'm pretty sure you're yeah. seeing the same thing. Yeah, so um, when you think about firms, Pete, most firms are duly registered out there, uh, have a broker-dealer and an RIA component to them. And it's not necessarily a straightforward, easy decision to analyze or, or look at the possibility of, for example, getting rid of your broker-dealer and just going straight RIA and going uh, just straight RIA custodial. It's not. It's a decision that takes a lot of thought because there's uh, lots of impact to your business. There's impact to your financial advisors. There's certainly impact to your clients out there with a new custodian. And there's certainly an economic impact to that decision. But sometimes the assumption is the economic impact is is a negative one, and that isn't necessarily the case because there's a there's a lot of upticks on the financial side to uh, changing your business model and looking at other alternatives out there and going through that analysis to determine whether it does make sense. I think the first question you ask yourselves is what direction is my business going? I think virtually everybody's business is going towards advisory, towards fee-based business. Where's the best place to put my business? Generally, a custodian that really specializes in that kind of business 
that'll help me serve my my clients and my advisors hopefully the best and then what is the economic impact of all that those are the types of, of, of engagements that we certainly get involved with at Oyster as firms are are looking out into the future and trying to determine what direction should they should they be going. I think another uh, another element of the businesses are financial advisors. We've all seen the steady flow of advisors examining independence, looking at what that side of the equation looks like. How is that different than my current state? What does it look like to have my own firm and to be independent? What is the economic impact on me? All those types of things is, is the, the flux of the business that we're in right now. And I think to your point earlier, Pete, one of the main reasons firms and advisors can do that today is frankly, their technology is probably better. The technology they're looking at is probably better than where they are today. Technology isn't quite a commodity, but there is absolutely no downtick in technology when you go to a smaller firm than say a, a big wirehouse or a big regional firm. You're 100% correct, David. And I think you picked up on, on two other themes that I like to call out, and that's one, culture. We always undervalue culture. Um, you know, as we start working with our clients, we start down this road. Then at some point in time in that this engagement, the culture starts coming out. And it's very, very hard. And I recall many, many years ago when, you know, you and I were at a certain firm and there was a major debate. Do we give up our NYSC seat? And there was just no way certain individuals would ever consider not having that on the bottom of the business card, you know, the New York Stock Exchange member. And, you know, now all of a sudden that's became an easier decision. And as you and I both know, we've gone through with firms who basically had their their stake in the ground very deeply on, you know, from a self-clearing perspective. And I'm not saying that self-clearing is the answer, and I'm not saying self-clearing is not the answer. What I'm saying is culture is driving some of those decisions. And sometimes when you open up those alternatives, and to your point, you can actually show a firm that's on a, on a, on a different platform and their technology is better, and they go, how did they do that? We're a much bigger firm. And, and so sometimes cultural, just the way in which firms think and the way they they feel their their perception of themselves, I think drives some of the some of the decision making. And you also brought up another point about, you know, sometimes the revenue drivers based on the different models that you can clear and be into this business can be negative. You know, at the same time, are you are you looking at the full equation? Yes, you may come down on some of the revenue drivers if you choose a certain path on clearing. However, there's a major uptick on the infrastructure that it takes you to supervise activity, correct? And where are you going to provide those dollars and that attention? And I go back to the point about the risk side of it. Have you deleveraged the risk of it? You're never all you're never out of the risk equation in this business. That's a part of this business. But can you do certain things with your platform and with your clearing models either way that can help you attain? So I really think, you know, you, you got to look at the culture on top of it and then look at who does that who do you really want to be as a business model? So Dave, I think those are the key points. Yeah. I mean, one other subject we haven't touched on yet, Pete, is succession. So you think about a lot of the business owners of these firms, they put a lifetime of work and maybe it's a 
it's a, a business that was started by a great grandfather, inherited by a grandfather, and now is in a current generation. So there's multiple generations and a legacy involved in that. But that doesn't mean that as a business owner, you should always be thinking about what your succession plan may look like. Now, maybe it's a internal succession plan if you're if you're able to do that. Most firms look at look externally for succession because they want to and need to monetize a lifetime of work. In most cases, that business is the business owner's most valuable asset. It's the asset that they put their blood, sweat and tears into, and it's probably from a value, value standpoint, their most valuable asset also. You can't let that go by the wayside. You need to be thinking about how am I going to monetize that? That could be a full monetization event. It could be a partial monetization event. It could be some kind of affiliation, but it's something that you just don't out of the clear blue start thinking about and think you're going to make a decision in a short period of time after that. It's a multiple year examination. Uh, many firms, again, come to us looking for our thoughts around what are their alternatives out there. As I said before, there is no straight answer answer to that. I think you're spot on, Dave. You know, and we can actually self-reflect a little bit on that ourselves. You know, we come from a major, a very high end, very large self-clearing firm in the industry. And I never thought I would be sitting in the chair I'm sitting in today. I'm, I'm very happy to be sitting in this chair. I'm sure you are as well, because we can help that peer group that we kind of grew up with in this industry to, to make these decisions. But I think you're hitting on it. This that's a succession plan. You know, what did what did you and I do with our, our historical reference and in, in our and our um, understanding to help others? And and I think that is sort of the key to come at this from a practitioner role and to help certain individuals that have put their life into a you know it it, it it's it's their it's their equity. It's 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 what they built. That they're proud of it, and they've got their culture. They've got a stamp on it. And to make some of these decisions, I think, is is a very difficult thing. And I think that here at Oyster, we we understand that. We've been there. We've sat in those chairs, and we've taken those next steps. And I think the biggest value add is to help individuals that um, at these particular firms make a help that not tell them what to do, but help them make a very honest and true decision by helping them set their decision criteria, giving them the the intellectual property as far as the institutional knowledge so that they can make those decisions in the right way. Um, I think that that's been the key to our success and I think our client's success. And, you know, I will turn it to you for final yeah, comment. I, I, I don't think, Pete, to your point, we can understate the team at Oyster, and and you hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's those that have sat in those chairs before. We have senior executives from self-clearing firms. We have senior executives from introducing firms, from the RIA world, from the broker-dealer world, from the regulatory world, all different parts of, of, of our financial services industry. And uh, the value of that knowledge, which probably adds up to hundreds of hundreds of years, maybe even a thousand years, <laughs> is 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 pretty extraordinary when you're making the decisions that you have to as the owner or senior manager of a wealth management firm out there. And one other uh, value add that we add at Oyster is our relationships with the vendor community. 
We know all the clearing firms extremely well. We know all the supporting uh, vendor partner organizations that work with the clearing firms. Uh, we have established relationships with many of these financial services firms, which helps us help you navigate through a pretty complicated process. And again, that can't be understated about that value. No, the, the, the one thing I would like to add on that, and, and that goes for, from both sides, that comes from buy side and sell side, whether you're you know, a, a BD, whether you're an RA, whether you're an independent or not, uh, no matter what decision that, that you have on the table right now, we, we're very um, anxious to help and uh, eager to, to join you and, and help you through this decision. But also uh, from the to the vendor community, I think they have a lot of work to do to profile those clients. Uh, the clients are different, even though they may look the same from an outside appearance or from an economic, each client is different because of those cultural values. So thank you for your time today. Pete and I would be very interested in speaking with you if you're want to do a current state assessment of your firm, if you want to potentially look at a few different future operating model, if you're thinking about succession, if you're thinking about what your future business model should be looking like, we'd love to love to speak to you. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to learn more about our experts and how Oyster can help your firm, visit our website at oysterllc.com. If you like what you heard today, follow us on whatever platform you listen to and give us a review. Reviews make it easier for people to find us. Have a great day.